Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, as Amanda mentioned earlier, my name is Justin Stofa, and as one little kid saw me earlier, said, you're the Hope 360 guy. Yes, uh, it's me here in person. Uh, I work uh, here at Hope uh, at our West Des Moines campus uh, with our Power Life students, grades six, seven, and eight. Junior high students are going through the confirmation process, uh, and I have a blast. We meet on Wednesday nights, uh, but I'm honored to be here with you this morning. And so today, we're going to jump right into it. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And there's some big questions that come up when the Holy Spirit is the topic. What is it? Or who is it? The girl in the video that you just saw raises some big questions. Were you there, Holy Spirit? Were you there in the beginning with the Father and the Son at the creation of the world? You show up uh, like a rushing river or a mighty wind or fire. Why wind? Why fire? And is it possible? Is it possible that the same Spirit of God that began creation could live within us, could lead our lives Big questions. Sometimes we have big questions in our life that uh, we contemplate, and sometimes if we're not careful, they stay down within our heart and our soul and they don't come up. Questions like, who am I? Who am I? What defines me? What's my identity rooted in? Why am I here? You ever had that question? God, why am I here? What, what's going on in my life? Why, why am I here in Des Moines, Iowa, 2016? Where, where am I going? What plans do you have for me, God? If you've got these questions in your heart and your soul, you're not alone. They're natural questions to ask as human beings. And the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit has a lot of answers. And so today we're going to take a closer look at the Holy Spirit so that we can see how God is revealing himself to us each and every day. So I want to start uh, with the, the reading, Acts chapter 2 that you heard read just a little bit ago. And the scripture is really profound. It's interesting. And so I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So I'm just going to recap briefly. It says that there was a time when all the believers were gathered in one place. So we're talking all the believers, anyone who believes in Jesus is all gathered in one place in this room in Jerusalem all those years ago. Probably similar to the size that you're looking at here. This is everyone on planet earth who believes in Jesus. So they're gathered here and then what's like a mighty rushing wind fills the room. And then these flames, or what appears like a tongue of fire, starts to be above their head. They're not on fire themselves, but there's this fire resting above them. And then all of a sudden, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start speaking in different languages, or speaking in tongues. They start to speak in languages that they didn't know a few minutes ago. They start understanding people who are speaking in a language they'd never heard before. It's this bizarre, strange thing. And so uh, this room spills out into the streets. People are wondering, what's going on? And there are some people who are skeptical, and they say, these people are just drunk. They've had too much wine. There's skeptical people who say, I don't understand this, so I'm just going to distance myself from it and just say that they've had too much wine. Then Peter, one of Jesus' faithful followers who's been there the past few years and has been by Jesus' side, he steps forward and he says, these people are not drunk, as some of you would suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 9.15, maybe, that's when church starts. But 9, that's too early. On a serious note, though, Peter says, no, there's something greater going on here. There's something amazing that's happening, and you don't want to miss it. He says the Holy Spirit has been poured out. So I want to just pause for a second 
Because when, when interesting things like this happen, when we have these questions, rushing wind and flames and, and speaking in tongues, it's important to know the context. So I want to do just a, a quick like two-minute history of how do we get to Acts chapter 2. Uh, and so I'm going to draw on the whiteboard here. I'm going to put an OT, that's for Old Testament. And I want to start by saying uh, I'm not that creative or artistic. Uh, my stick figures don't even look that good. So bear with me on this. But the Old Testament, there was this thing called the Passover. Everybody say Passover. Passover. So I'm going to draw this triangle, which is actually a pyramid. Uh, the Israelites, God's chosen people, find themselves uh, enslaved in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh. So they're here in Egypt, and God raises up a leader, Moses, and says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Let them go. And, and with Moses, he sends 10 plagues. And the 10th plague is the angel of death. And God says to the Israelites, I want you to take the blood of a sacrificial lamb and I want you to put it on the wood of your doorpost. So I'm going to draw a door here so that when the angel of death comes, if your doorpost is marked with this blood on the top of the wood on your door, the angel of death will pass over you and your family will be spared. And so this happens. The angel of death comes and ultimately they're spared and they're set free and they're led into freedom. Hooray. They have freedom. So they were once in slavery, but then God sent them uh, Moses, who then told them to mark the, the doorpost with the blood of lambs so that they could be passed over. The death would pass over, and they would be led into freedom. So they're led into freedom. Fast forward. Now that they're free, they need some direction. They need some, some guidance. And so this is Passover. And this is a gift that God gives them. And it looks like this. They're not, they're not gravestones, they're the Ten Commandments, or the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Torah. Moses meets God on a mountaintop, and he says, now that you've been set free, I want to give you a gift, some guidance, some direction, so that when you go to live your lives, out, now that you're free, here's how you should live. Okay, so pause. This is the Old Testament story. Now, New Testament. Jesus arrives on the scene. He is doing ministry, performing miracles, and God had told the Israelite people, the Jewish people, remember these important dates. And so they have these celebrations, these holy celebrations. So they sa he said, celebrate Passover every year. And if you look closely in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, you'll see that uh, 50 days after Passover or after the second day of Passover, they also celebrate the giving of the Torah, of the gift. It's a, a, a Jewish holiday that's there. And so now New Testament, you have Jesus, who is a Jew, who's celebrating the Passover, as he knows he's supposed to. And so uh, they sit down for a meal to celebrate, and here's the wine and the bread. Uh, this story, maybe you've heard, is the Last Supper. They're celebrating the Passover meal, and Jesus says, I'm not going to erase this story. I want to write a new story. And so he says, there's going to come a time where I'm going to be, I'm going to become the sacrificial lamb. And it's my blood that's going to be poured out on the wood of the cross so that anybody who believes in me will have eternal life, that death would pass them over. They may die an earthly death, but they will live forever if you believe in me. So he's rewriting the story. And so this ultimately leads to, you guessed it, freedom. Fifty days later, or what's known as Pentecost. Pentecost is a Greek word. That means 50th. So 50 days later, after this Passover meal, this Last Supper, 
All the believers are gathered in one room in Jerusalem, and God gives them this gift, the Holy Spirit. He gives them this gift of the Holy Spirit, and he says, I want you to know, now that you've been set free, for anyone who believes in Jesus, that he really poured out his blood as a sacrifice for all, for the whole world. If you've experienced that freedom, what now? How, how should you live your life? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit comes in. So now we're faced, we're right back to where we started in Acts chapter 2, and we've got the same question. Okay, what is the Holy Spirit, or who is it? Is the Holy Spirit a ghost? Is it, is, it a, is it a power? Is it an energy? Is it the wind? Is it fire? Is it that thing that gives you goosebumps on your arm and the back of your neck? What is the Holy Spirit, or who is he? Who is a better way to frame it? First thing we need to know is that the Holy Spirit is an equal mem member of the Trinity. Everybody say Trinity. Trinity, Trinity tri, union, three parts. Jesus, uh, a few days before this uh, verse in Acts chapter 2, he told his disciples, Go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he said, when I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has some interesting math. One Father plus one Son equals, and one Holy Spirit equals one God. Now, to me, one plus one plus one would be three. Uh, or you would have one God divided by three parts. Each would be a third. But God says, no, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all, all unique and they're all fully God. The, there's people who would say that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the present tense. If you're a note taker, that might be something to write down. The presence of God in the present tense. Or God right now. There's a temptation to think that, that God is far off, that he's distant. That someday he's far off in the future. That someday, hopefully a long time from now, when I die, I'll meet God. Or that somehow God only existed a long time ago, thousands of years ago, and that we need to learn and we need to read scripture so that we can know more about who he was and try to make sense of our life today. That somehow there's a distance. Have you ever felt that way? That God was distant from you? That he was way off in the future? Or that he was a God of the past? Well, the good news is the Holy Spirit is God now. The presence of God, which nothing can compare to is found in the Holy Spirit. It's God right now here in Des Moines, Iowa in May of 2016. The second thing we need to know about the Holy Spirit that's really important is that the Holy Spirit is all about new creation. It's all about new things, fresh beginnings. The Holy Spirit wasn't just poured out at the Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's been around forever, since the beginning. If you know your Bible, you know if you've opened up to the first chapter of the first book, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse, and the Holy Spirit hovered above the water. The Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning of creation. God the Father spoke creation into, be into being. And if you know John's gospel, he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we read later, the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. God the Father spoke it into being, and everything that's ever been made has been made through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of creation. The Holy Spirit's all about new things. We read, if you fast forward in the New Testament, uh, Jesus, uh, his conception, the, the, the angel of the Lord appears to Mary, and he says, the Holy Spirit will come to you. 
The Holy Spirit will come and you'll give birth to a child. He will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God is so power, powerful that it can bring life out of nothing. Not just with creation, but with God through Jesus. Fast forward a little farther. Jesus is entering a new season in his life. Jesus was a human just like you and I, fully human yet fully God. So he lived a childhood. He lived a young adult life. And there came a time where he was about to enter into his ministry, where he was going to start performing miracles and proclaim the good news about who he was and about what that meant for the world. And he was about to enter this new season. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever, have you ever gone through a transition? Maybe you're going through a transition right now and you're about to enter a new season and maybe you're excited about it. Maybe you're uncertain about it. And you think, God, where are you in the midst of this new season that I'm in? I'm longing for something different in my life. The good news is the power of God's presence through the Holy Spirit is right there. It was with Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days. He overcomes that temptation, and ultimately he goes on, and he becomes that sacrificial lamb whose blood is poured out on the wood of the cross for all believers. His body is taken down from the cross and it's put into a tomb. And on the third day, he's laying there. His body is laying in the tomb, motionless. No life, no breath. He's dead. Jesus didn't just snap out of it. God didn't just say, hey, wake up. No, the Holy Spirit, the power of God's presence breathed life into that tomb on that day. And it changed the world forever because it told the world that there's nothing in this world that can separate us from God's love. There's nothing that can separate us from his presence. Not even death can be overcome. Now, here's where it gets really good. Because uh, we read in Romans, Paul, who is a follower, an apostle of Jesus, he writes these words to the church in Rome to instruct them. He says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. Let that sink in for a minute. The same spirit that was there at the beginning of creation, the same spirit that was there in that tomb that breathed life into Jesus lives within you, within me. The power of God's presence. Now there are some who are skeptical. Just like there were a long time ago. They say, okay, I hear that. That's great. But where's the wind? Last time I checked, I didn't see any flames of fire on anybody's head. Are you, are you sure? I can't speak in tongues. I can barely speak the, the one language I know, let alone understand multiple languages. I'm not rolling around on the floor or doing a Holy Spirit dance. How do I know that I have the presence of the Holy Spirit? God does show up in those ways. Those are biblical. But if you want to know the way to judge, to assess if the Spirit's present in your life, look no further than Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have any of these fruits in your life, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of God's presence in your life that we have these gifts that are given to us. Some would ask, well, how does it work? How does the Holy Spirit show up? This is, this is what Jesus has to say. In John's Gospel, John chapter 14, he's meeting with the disciples before he's to go to the cross, and he says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. 
Two important things to know here. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, is sent to teach us and then also to remind us. There are times in our life when we need to be taught something for the very first time. And then there are more often than not times when we just need to be reminded of what we already know. We need to be taught something new, but then we need to be reminded of the good news, the promises that God has made. Here's an example. My wife and I have two lovely children. Uh, they're total sweethearts. Our, our youngest, a little boy uh, who is going to be one next month. His name's Charlton. He's got one tooth on the bottom. He looks like a jack-o'-lantern. He's precious. He's our youngest. Our oldest is a three-and-a-half-year-old. Her name is Ivory, and she's a sweetheart. She loves to get dressed up in a princess dress. She likes to put her mom's high heels on and parade around the house, and it's adorable. She's Cinderella. We dance. It's great. But sometimes when she puts those shoes on, they're on the wrong feet. And so we have to teach her which foot the shoe's supposed to go on. And she's learning. And there'll come a day when she'll start to wear shoes that aren't just Velcro, uh, but they have laces. And we'll need to teach her how to tie her shoes. And then there'll come a day when she'll know how to tie her shoes, and we'll need just to remind her, hey, if you're going outside, tie your shoes. I don't want you to fall down. Make sure you tie your shoes. We need to remind her. And the goal of her learning how to tie her shoes isn't to gain knowledge. It's not so much that we want her to be an expert shoe tire, although if she is, that's great. But the reason we want to teach her how to tie her shoes is so she can experience life. With shoes that stay on your feet, you can do so much more. You can run, jump, play, go on an adventure. Experience life in a new way. If, if she forgets to tie her shoes and she falls down, will we still love her? Yes, but not as much. No, that's wrong. We'll love her even more because we'll get to pick her up and we'll get to hold her in her arms. The truth is, we'll love her regardless, but it'll be better for her if she ties her shoes. The Holy Spirit works in the same way. He wants to teach us new things so that we can grow, so that we don't stumble and keep falling over the same things in life, that we can grow and mature. Will he still love us if we fall? Of course. He'll be right there to pick us up. But is it better for us if we know the things that God wants to reveal to us, if we can hold true to the promises that he's taught us and that we're reminded of so that we can live a life that we never imagined, where we can run and we can experience things. Paul says that same spirit lives within you. That presence of God is alive in your heart, in your soul. It's the spirit within, in spirit, a spirit within inspired. When's the last time you were inspired? What inspires you? What spirit lives within you? I want to share with you a story that's inspiring. Uh, it's uh, track season. Maybe some of you have been rooting on some runners down at the uh, Drake Blue Oval, and you've got people that you're rooting for. This time of year is uh, great for watching people run these races. So there's this girl uh, who is from uh, North Carolina. Her name's Kayla Montgomery. And when she was 14 years old, she loved playing soccer. She knew how to tie her shoes. She went out and she played soccer. And she was loving life. And she had a vision for how her life was going to go until one day she fell on the soccer field. She hit her head. She hit her tailbone. And all of a sudden, this funny thing happened. She started to lose feeling in her feet. And her legs started to grow numb. And so her parents took her to the doctor. They ran a whole series of tests. And finally, after a whole bunch of tests, they, they found out that she had MS, multiple sclerosis, this disease that attacks your body and limits your ability to walk and to run and to move. Have you ever felt like that before? Where life's going a certain way and then all of a sudden you get this news, whatever it might be, and it takes a turn. That's Kayla's story too. Take a look. 
why God? Why? Kayla asked this question, why me? I'm 14 years old. Why would this happen to me? Kayla uh, tells that in this time, after receiving this diagnosis, at age 14, which the people who have been diagnosed with this, sometimes at the earliest ages, late 20s, early 30s, here she is all alone at 14. How do you relate? Why? Why would this happen to me, God? She says that uh, she felt a distance grow between her and God. And she didn't understand how this could happen. You ever felt that way? God, where are you in the midst of this? Kayla felt this way for a couple years until she went on a youth retreat. I love youth retreats because God shows up in mysterious ways. And she is reminded of something that she already knows, that God has a plan for her life, that he loves her despite this disease, he's with her. And so Kayla just breaks down crying. And she finds that she rediscovers her hope in God, that he will help her to persevere. And she meets this coach, Patrick Cromwell. I love Coach Patrick. And they build this relationship. Did you hear him say she's average at best? There's a funny thing about hope. A funny thing about building a relationship with a coach that you trust. There's something else that is important to know is this disease, MS, is triggered when there's heat in your body. And so when she starts to run, the same thing happens. She starts to lose feeling in her feet and then eventually up to her waist. When she's running, she can't feel anything from her waist down. And so she develops this really unique relationship with her coach. Take a look. Who's there to catch you when you fall? Because we fall sometimes, right? Who's the voice that you're listening to that's encouraging you along the way? When it seems as though you shouldn't be able to run, who's the voice that's helping you to persevere? The Holy Spirit works the same way in our life. We read this, if you go to the next slide. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, God says. There's a temptation when we, when we stumble, when we fall, to just stay down. Or to, to give in to some worldly temptation. Something that's out there that tempts us to say, this is where you'll find life. And the truth is, it leads to a dead end. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. God says, I want you to learn how to tie your shoes on that thing so you don't have to keep tripping up. Let the Holy Spirit, who loves you, who produces joy and peace and love in your life, let that be your guide. Let that be the voice that guides you. Kayla is racing her final race. It's the last time to race with this coach who's so inspiring next to her. It's her last race, and as only God would have it, there's a way you think things are going to go, and then there's what actually happens. Take a look. Yeah, give God praise. something powerful about this spirit that lives within us that's filled with hope and perseverance that even when we fall even when we stumble we can get back up there's a voice in our life that's encouraging us each and every day this was a couple years ago so I thought I wonder what Kayla's doing now two years later first of all she cut her hair and she started running uh, continued running she started running at a college called Lipscomb down in Nashville Tennessee And she still battles MS, and there's been setbacks. She just wrote this on her Facebook page a couple months ago, this past fall. Slower start to my season than I'd hoped, 
but God has a plan. And she quotes uh, the book of Romans, which Paul wrote. Same Paul who said that the spirit that raised Jesus from life lives within you. The same Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. See, Kayla knows it's gonna come a day when she can't run anymore. That day is coming for us too, but she has hope because she knows that there's a spirit, the presence of God that resides in her life that nothing can overcome. And so she runs with endurance. And so I wanna close our time together today before we worship. And I wanna read from you a, a verse from the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep running the race. God is with you every step of the way. I invite you to please stand and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who breathes new life into us each day. We love you, Lord, and we trust in your presence. There's no better place to be than in your presence. Nothing compares. We love you, and we know that you love us, and that you'll be there to catch us when we fall. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.